uh, I want to talk to you about God's will. God's will towards people. Amen? Amen. Verse 9, Luke chapter 2, verse 9. Uh, this is the Christmas story. I could read from verse 1, all three. But maybe next Sunday you'll get the whole thing. But I just want to jump in at verse 9. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, the shepherds that were abiding their sheep out in the fields. The angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. See, they weren't used to seeing that, those shepherds. It wasn't an every night occurrence. So when they saw the angel of the Lord and the, and uh, uh, and the glory of the Lord all around them, it it scared them. And the angel said unto them, "Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people." I want you to, if you if you would, to just underline, "which shall be to all people." When the angels came and announced that Jesus was born, right off the bat, instantly, the angel made it known that this gift from heaven was for everybody. Didn't he? Now the Jews, they had to go through a whole process that they they went throughout the life of Jesus beyond the cross and the resurrection and, and, uh, and, the, and God had to deal w- with the apostles through miraculous signs and wonders to get them to realize that the gospel, the good news, the glad tidings was for everybody and not just the Jews. The Jews were called of God to herald the news or to broadcast the message to all people everywhere. They tried to keep it in. They tried to hold it to themselves. And God had to force it out of them. You remember the story of Peter being on the rooftop and the sheep coming down and, and he has this vision of all these unclean, cloven-hoofed animals that the Jews were not allowed to eat. <clears throat> and he heard this voice, take it <clears throat> and eat it. <clears throat> Peter had the audacity to rebuke God. Not so, Lord. I'm a good Jew. We don't eat that kind of garbage. And he had to have that same vision three times. And then God spoke to him and said, there's two men standing at the gate. Go with them. And they took Peter to the house of a Roman centurion by the name of Cornelius, who was Roman, not Jewish. And God told Peter to tell him the glad tidings. Tell him the good news. And so Peter says, okay, I'll tell him. And then he walks into this big room and, and everybody in the, in the house, and this was, this was a powerful man. He had many servants. He had a lot of household members. And he had, that, he had that room filled with people. And Peter is telling them about Jesus. And while he's talking about Jesus, the Holy Spirit fell upon them and every one of them began to speak in tongues. And Peter, being as sharp as a tack, said, Whoa, God has seen fit to pour out the same Spirit that He poured out upon us on the day of Pentecost. Mm-hmm. 
And so he, he allowed them to be baptized into the church. And they were all Gentiles. Well, he was called in on the carpet by the other apostles. When he got back to Jerusalem, they said, what do you think you're doing? And he explained to them what God did. And he said, who am I to withstand God? You know, if they had just listened to what the angels said, they wouldn't have had to go through all that mess. Because the angels said, this, this good tidings of great joy is for everybody. It's for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Very specific, very clear, that this baby born in this manger in Bethlehem was the Lord Christ, the Anointed One, the Messiah, and that He was given to the whole world to save them. God's gift to the world is Jesus. To the whole world. Amen? Well, then verse 13 says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So what's, what was God's intentions? What was God moving towards when He sent Jesus? He was bringing good will, His good will toward men. And He sent the angels to make that announcement that this gift, this child that is born in Bethlehem, is, is my sign of goodwill towards men. I have good intentions towards men. Well, turn with me to John chapter 4, and we see Jesus at the, at the well outside of uh, Samaria talking to the woman at the well. That was her name. Woman. At the well. Actually, she had a real name. I, I've heard that name. That woman actually became a missionary and, and led a women's movement and got many, many people saved and born again and was in Egypt. And uh, uh, they started persecuting her and they started killing off some of her, her followers. And uh, they... And they uh, demanded that she recant and they wound up killing her. You know how they killed her? They threw her into a well. The woman at the well died by being thrown into a well. But not after but only after she had 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 led many, many, many thousands of people to Jesus. Isn't that a great I mean that's a historical uh, uh, fact. Uh, that I, I didn't know until uh, just a little bit ago. But Jesus is talking to this woman here. And in verse 10, He says, uh, He answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked Him and He would have given you living water. The woman said to Him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with and the well is deep. Where then do you get 
that living water. Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well? See, that was, that was named Jacob's well. And drank from it himself, as well as his sons and his livestock? Jesus answered unto her in verse 13, Whoever drinks of this water will thirst again. But whoever drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him a fountain of water springing up into everlasting life. So Jesus is saying to the woman at the well, if you just knew the gift that is standing before you, instead of me asking you for water, you'd be asking me for water. Because the water that you're going to give me, it'll satisfy my thirst momentarily. But the water that I give will spring up within you forever. Amen. You see, when God gave us Jesus, He gave us good. He gave us wonderful. He gave us life. Jesus, the Bible says, was the light of men. And He brought to us the light of life. John called it the light of life. And so Jesus was, was God's light shining into the world to bring good into the world. To bring life to the world. To bring peace with God. Everything Jesus represents is, is according to God's good will toward men. People don't understand it. They're like the woman at the well. They can't, they can't reason it out in their own natural thinking. You've got to get on a different page to understand what God was doing when God sent Jesus. But if you, if you can get to that point where you understand what Jesus is all about, then you'll never be satisfied unless you have Him. Amen. Amen. I've prayed all my life, Lord, I want to be the kind of preacher that can proclaim the good news to the, to, and so effectively that people will run to the altars. Amen. That people will beg for me to pray with them to be saved. I want, I want to make Jesus so attractive. And it's not like we have a lot of work to do because there's nothing unattractive about Jesus. There's nothing, there's nothing ugly about Him. Everything about Jesus is beautiful and wonderful. He, he represents God's best. He is God's best. So we need to be able to uh, 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 present Jesus that way so that people will run to Him. You see, these, these shepherds that heard that angel talking about Jesus, they, they immediately left their flocks and ran to Bethlehem. They said, we've got to see this. And they got there and they worshipped Him. The kings from the east, they, they, they somehow discerned it in the stars. And they realized that there, 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 there was a cosmic event taking place. And they searched it out in the Scriptures and found out that it meant that, the, 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 that a king was being born. And then the star appeared and they followed the star. They left their kingdoms. Well, in those days, you don't just walk away from the throne to go somewhere for three or four years. Because when you come back, you may not have a throne. Somebody else is going to be sitting there. 
They took a tremendous risk and, and they hastened, they hurried across the world and made their way and, and it took them two years beyond the time Jesus was born before they finally arrived. But they were looking for Jesus for what purpose? So they could worship Him. Amen. They knew something about Jesus that made it worth the trip. We have trouble getting people to cross town. Matter of fact, we get trouble getting the neighbors to come. We need to be better at presenting Jesus. We need to be better at, uh, at uh, uh, selling the glad tidings and the good news to people. Amen? Amen. Well, you know, uh, you say, well, yeah, God's goodwill and all that is wonderful, but there's just a lot of bad stuff in the world. There's a lot of evil in the world. How come there's so much evil in the world 2,000 years after God sent His wonderful gift? Well, it's because people rejected the gift. They, they loved the darkness more than the light. They shunned God's goodness and God's good will. They didn't believe it. They don't trust what they don't trust the thing God says. They learned that from, you know, Adam and Eve. You know, Adam and Eve didn't believe God and they fell into sin and they drug the whole world in after them. But look in Mark chapter 8. Evil, evil is the result of rejecting God's gift, Jesus. Pure and simple. The evil people that, whose names we know, <laughs> we, don't, we don't even know the half of them, but the, peop, the evil people whose names we know, if they would just accept Jesus, they wouldn't be evil no more. Amen. The reason they're evil is because they reject Jesus. Right. And like Judas, you know, uh, the, the spirit of Satan enters into them. And causes them to do horrible things. Horrible things. You know, we were, we were talking uh, last night, uh, or yesterday I was talking with my brother. We were talking about, the, you know, the Koreans and the Japanese and how the, the Koreans hate the Japanese and the Japanese hate the Koreans and the Chinese hate the Japanese. And, but there's a reason for that because, you know, World War II, the Japanese invaded China and, and Korea and, and brutally enslaved those people and did horrible, horrible things to them. And, uh, you know, and now, you know, you can go to Japan now and, and, and the Japanese are very gracious. They, they still bow to you. They, they're, very, they're very happy to see Americans. And, and uh, you know, they're very gracious people. But... Uh, uh, you let a Korean go there or a Chinese person go there and they don't get treated that way. I mean, these two peoples hate each other. Well, if they would all just receive God's gift, there would be peace on earth. You see, peace on earth and goodwill toward men requires Jesus. Can't have it without Jesus. There's going to be wars and rumors of wars. There's going to be brutality and evil. People treating people in the most horrific manners as long as they reject Jesus. Amen? Amen. Evil is the byproduct of rejecting Jesus. Look in Mark 8.34. 
when Jesus had called the people to Himself with His disciples also, He said to them, Whoever desires to come after Me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow Me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for My sake and the Gospels will save it. Amen? And then he goes on to say that whoever is ashamed of him and his words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. You see, Jesus says, if you receive me, the Father will receive you. But if you reject me, you will be rejected. Amen? Amen? It's, it's, all through the, it's all through the teachings of Jesus. He that receives me receiveth the one that sent me. He who rejects me rejects the one who sent me. Amen. And then if Jesus sends you and they reject you, they're not just rejecting you, they're rejecting Jesus and the Father. So don't take it so personally. Amen? Amen. Look in, look in 3 John and uh, verse 2. This, this in, encapsulates what Christmas really is about. And uh, we know this Scripture very well. We use it for, we use it for all kinds of purposes. <laughs> but it is so true. Now John was writing to Gaius. John was writing to one of his disciples. But we know that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and, and is profitable to all of us. So in, in, this, in this statement that John makes to Gaius, God is revealing His intentions and purposes for all of us. And He says, Beloved, I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. This echoes what the angel said when he announced Jesus' birth and said, it's for the purpose of peace on earth and goodwill toward men. That's our message. We talk about, you know, fixing all the problems. And uh, we talk about, you know, things that are going on in our country and the insanity and... And in a lot of areas, that, that insanity and that rebellion prevails. And there's only one cure for it. And, and that's to tur- for people have to turn their hearts to God. They have to get right with God. And the only way to get right with God is by receiving Jesus. And until then, they're going to get what they deserve. They're going to reap what they sow. The only hope for America is repentance and turning to God. Will they do it? Some of us already have. But those who don't are doomed until they do. And that's that's just the truth, folks. Jesus said everyone that rejects the Gospel shall be damned. Isn't that what He said? And you ought to do a research on that word damned. 
It's not a slang word. It's not a curse word. It's a condition. And that condition comes upon everyone who rejects Jesus. If you receive Him, then you're born again. You get baptized. You become a member of His body. And you get enlisted in His army to go out and spread the good news. But if you reject that good news, you're damned. And you're damned forever if you die in that condition. And most people do. We were talking about deathbed confessions. Those are rare. I've been at people's bedsides when they died and I've I've heard them go out cursing. Mm -hmm. Telling me to get out of the room. Mm -hmm. I don't want your Jesus. Mm -hmm. I've had that happen more often than I've had a deathbed conversion. I've heard a lot of people, you know, talked about at funerals. Well, you know, we know they were evil. We know they were a Christ rejecter. We know that they were, you know, really adamant about it. But, you know, we don't know what they said. What we don't know what prayer they might have breathed in their last breath. They might have gone to heaven. I doubt it. I doubt it. I hope that. I hope so. And I don't know, so I can't make that judgment. But I rather doubt if they rejected Jesus and, and were uh, opposed to Jesus throughout their life if they turned to Jesus in their last breath. Yeah. Some have. So there is hope. But getting up at a funeral and saying these people are in heaven today and you have every evidence in the world that they went the other way, yeah. you, need, you need to be true to yourself and true to people. Yeah. Amen? And just because they shook the preacher's hand when they were eight years old didn't mean that they got saved on their deathbed. Amen? I was working with a pastor several years ago and, and uh, we had this family in the church, the mother and the son, and the father never came to church. And the father was a Christ rejecter. He told his wife and kids, you can go but don't ever ask me to go. And she brought her son faithfully and raised him in the church. And he's, a, he's, he's grown now, has his own kids, and is faithfully serving God. Mother, mother won on that deal. But the dad was a brilliant man. He invented, the, he invented and perfected the detonators on the atomic bombs that we're using today. He was, he was a brilliant scientist. And to his dying day, he rejected Jesus. So at the funeral, the pastor made mention of that. That, you know, uh, we grieve over the loss of this, this father and, the, and the, this husband and this great scientist and all that, but he, he is most likely not in heaven because he rejected, he verbally rejected Jesus repeatedly throughout his life. Well, his brother was there. His brother was a big man. He came up to us after the service. We're, we're getting in the limousine to go out to the cemetery. And the brother walks up to the limousine and he says, he said, we're Baptist. My brother was Baptist. And when he was eight years old at youth camp, he, uh, he got saved. And so uh, he's in heaven. It was wrong for you to say that he wasn't in heaven. <clears throat> 
And, and my pastor said to him, he said, he said, well, you're Baptist, you're entitled to believe the way you want to, but we're not Baptist. And his wife and son who go to our church, they're not Baptist. And they're the ones who told me about this man. And, I, and, and you can believe whatever you want to. He said, well, if you don't correct it at the grave, I'm going to beat you up. That was a great Christian. Great Baptist. So we, uh, we get out to the cemetery and this guy follows us out to the cemetery. And, uh, but in the meantime, we had spoken to a few ushers and a couple of uh, police officers who went into our church that were there. And we said, you know, what the problem was. And so they, they got close to this guy. And the pastor got up and he said, so-and-so's brother came to me after the service and objected to what I said. And he basically just told him what he told the brother. You know, our church doesn't believe in what's saved, always saved. We believe that the way you are when you die is how you remain for eternity. Jesus actually says that. Let the adulterer be an adulterer still. Let the drunkard be a drunkard still. Let the thief be a thief still. Once you die, whatever you are when you die, that's what you become. That's what you are forever. If you're lost when you die, you're lost forever. It doesn't matter what you did when you were eight years old. And this is the way we believe it. Now, he took objection to it. He comes from a different... Uh, different brand of Christianity. He's entitled to his opinion. You're all entitled to your own opinion, but we're going to stick by our guns. Amen. And <laughs> the guy just turned away and left. Well, we were ready to lock him up at his brother's funeral. I mean, sometimes you just have to take a stand, people. Jesus is the free gift of God. It's God's will for you to receive that gift. And if you reject that gift, you will be rejected. But if you receive that gift, you will have eternal life. And that's just how it boils down. Not my words, His. Amen? And we got to tell people the truth. But it still amazes me why anybody would not receive Jesus after all He did for us, after who He has revealed Himself to be, He's the greatest person who's ever lived, the greatest individual in the universe who's offered to be our friend, our Savior, our Lord, our Protector. Hallelujah. You don't think I wasn't thanking Jesus this week? for sparing my daughter's life? You don't think I offered up a thank you, Jesus, every time I thought about it? A praise the Lord? Heather called yesterday. We were driving down the highway and she told us about her shoulder popping back. And uh, all I could say was, praise the Lord! Man, we rejoiced in the car. You know, praise the Lord! Hallelujah! They were talking about rotator cuff surgery. You know, they're always quick to you know, cut on you. Well, she says, there won't be no surgery here because Jesus healed me. That was, that's her confession. Jesus healed me. 
That's good news. It's good stuff. You can't lose with the stuff we use. But you got to use it, people. And very, you know, don't don't be ashamed of the of the gospel. It is great tidings. It's good news to the whole world. And Jesus is for everybody. Amen. I had a guy one time. I was on a train going through India, and there were these Hindu people on the train. And uh, you know, in India, they look down on Christians. They treat Christians like dirt. And these were business people, and you know, they were they were and they were on their way to some kind of a business meeting, and and uh, they found out I was a Christian. Well, immediately they were despising me, and uh, and they said, "Why would anybody want to be a you know want to worship just one God when you when we've got we've got millions of gods?" And I said, "Cause my one God." does more for me than your millions of gods all rolled up together. I said, what has your God done for you lately? And of course, their answer was, which one? I said, any of them. What, is it, what has any of your gods done for you lately? And they said, well, what has your God done for you lately? Well, I started rattling stuff off, you know. And they, they were just like, you know, get us away from this guy. He's crazy. Yeah, I'm crazy. I'm crazy about Jesus. And you know what I told him? I said, I said Jesus came for the Hindu people as well. He came for the Muslim people as well. Jesus, Jesus was God's gift to all people: Muslim, communist, socialist, Russians, Chinese, Americans. I mean, he's for everybody. Everybody. He's good news for everybody. Praise the Lord.